Well, I'd like to introduce our sermon with a few pictures. First, a picture of someone on a boardwalk juggling on a unicycle. A person who is multitasking. He is doing two things at one time. Saving his neck and entertaining, I guess, but uh, balancing and juggling. Another picture of a juggler. A little bit higher, and he's doing three things. <laughs> he's balancing on a unicycle, a high one, juggling, and something twirling a plate with his head. He's triple tasking. And the last one is juggling and solving a Rubik's Cube. Uh, there's talent, and then there's talent, isn't there? <laughs> um, this morning, uh, Kristen is exhibiting that for us as she not only sings and leads us in song vocally, but also playing the piano as Bev is absent this morning. So thank you for being multitasker this morning, Kristen. Believe it or not, Jesus could juggle too. Jesus could teach more than one lesson with one act. We often fail to recognize that. We focus in on one thing Jesus is doing, one person that has confronted him with a problem, or one person he approaches and performs some healing miracle for them, and we think that's it. That's all that happened in that story. But Jesus was often doing more than one thing in the same moment. That is illustrated in many, many events in the Gospels, through the Gospel accounts. I'll give you a couple of examples that you perhaps remember. One was the calming of the storm on the Sea of Galilee. You remember that, that event? They were crossing the Sea of Galilee, Jesus with his disciples, probably the twelve. Those, those little boats at that time held about a dozen people. Um, safely at least, and uh, a storm arose as it often does on the Sea of Galilee and they were in fear for their lives as the waves came up, they were taking water and uh, the 12 apostles at that time included four professional fishermen <laughs> who were used to fishing all night and encountering storms on the Sea of Galilee and even those four were frightened and screamed, we are going to perish. Jesus was asleep, remember, on the back of the boat. They woke him, don't you care that we're perishing? And he calmed the storm. Two lessons in that. One is, who is Jesus? The power that he exhibited over nature is one lesson. What was the other lesson in that story? 
Some of you moms have perhaps taught that in vacation Bible school, but one of the other lessons certainly was when Jesus is in your boat, you're safe. (laughs) So another one was when Jesus fed the 5,000. Again, a marvelous miracle and a ministry to people who were hungry. They weren't totally starving. They'd been there all day listening to him, and the disciples wanted to send them away. But Jesus said, you feed them. They said, excuse us? (laughs) Well, that wasn't in the Bible, but that's basically what they were saying. What? He said, see what you have. And they go and they find the little boy with, with his lunch, basically, five little pieces of bread and two fish. And uh, he says, that's good enough. Get them to sit down <laughs> in 50s and in the 100s. For the, the record says that there were 5,000 there that day. Give or take 100, you know. We're not being picky. One of the lessons, again, was that God can provide for all of us. Not just one at a time. God provides and cares for the whole creation. What was the other lesson there? I'll let you, I'll let you work on that at home or maybe at lunch. <laughs> Let's pray for understanding before we read our text this morning in which Jesus juggles several things. Lord, again, we turn to you and ask that your spirit be with us Uh, this morning with each of us, not just with all of us, but with each of us. You you have come into each of our lives uh, when we trusted you and as we continue to trust you. We pray that your spirit will open our eyes, uh, open our hearts, uh, help us to understand, help us, help our minds to be alert this morning. Help us also to remember not just to hear and forget. We thank you for giving us your word and for all of those who have served you in seeing that people across the world have your word in their own heart language. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we are going to try to learn three lessons, so I'm going to push you that much. (laughs) Um, We're going to read what has been called by some the mean Jesus story. A time when it appears Jesus was pretty mean, pretty hard, pretty callous, uh, uh, disturbingly so, considering all of our image of him in so many other incidents during his ministry. The Mean Jesus Story was actually the title of an article I wrote in one of our magazines in our denomination. I don't know, 20 years ago, the person who wrote it is currently teaching in one of our seminaries. And uh, I'm overdue for writing that professor. uh, Just a little note to see if there's been any update since that Mean Jesus story article was written. 
I'll say a word more about why this, that author uh, believed this was a mean Jesus story and how we should interpret it. Uh, it is found in Matthew 15, and it is the story about the Canaanite woman who uh, begged Jesus to heal her daughter. I say it's found in Matthew 15, which I put into your worship bulletin as our text for this morning. <clears throat> but before it was written in the account of the gospel by Matthew, it was written in the account of the gospel by Mark. Mark wrote his gospel before Matthew wrote his account of the gospel. Scholars today, most of them agree that Mark's gospel was written somewhere around 65 A.D., that Matthew's gospel was written after it. Well, how do we know that? Well, uh, all you have to do is begin reading Matthew, uh, Mark first and then read Matthew. Mark's account of the gospel contains 16 chapters. Matthew's account of the gospel contains 28 chapters. Uh, there's an example early in both accounts of the gospel of the story of the calling of the first four apostles. Peter and Andrew, James and John, on that morning by the Sea of Galilee, when Jesus found them there and he called them away from fishing and to be his apostles. If you read Mark's account first in Mark 1.14 and then go and read Matthew's account in Matthew 4.18, you will see they're almost word for word. Both Luke and Matthew had Mark's gospel laid out in front of them while they were writing their account. And so they often followed Mark's details, but often they added much more. Uh, as I said, Matthew's gospel is 28 chapters, and his account includes such things as the genealogy of Je Jesus, and then the birth of Jesus, and the wise men coming to the birth, and all of the stories surrounding that, and then the baptism. Mark's gospel just starts with the baptism, doesn't have the birth, doesn't have the Sermon on the Mount, three chapters of teaching of Jesus. So Matthew added so much more. And even though Luke's gospel only has 24 chapters, it is much larger than Matthew's in terms of the number of words, sentences, and verses. Luke added so much more, more of the stories. So from looking at them and comparing them, we understand that Mark came first. That's important for our story today. Because this story of this woman coming to beg Jesus to heal her daughter uh, is told by Mark first, very briefly, 
And it leaves us questions. Let's read Mark first. I'll put that slide up for you. And it begins in Mark 7, 24. Jesus was in Galilee, and he heads northwest out of Galilee. And uh, it says, from there he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. Tyre is the southernmost city of Lebanon. It was often mentioned as Tyre and Sidon, a pair of cities on opposite sides of a river on the coast. He went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Which certainly was an answer to her prayer, her plea to Jesus. She was named a Gentile. That's a very important element of this story. It only mentions Jesus. It only mentions the woman and her daughter who was not present between, at that encounter between the woman and Jesus. Um, her daughter is in trouble. She doesn't understand why she is acting the way she is, but she's out of control, and she's desperate. When she asks Jesus, Jesus says something unusual. Let the children be fed first. It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Wow. What is he talking about? And does she understand or does she just hear a little bit of rejection? He's not going to do it. What in the world is Jesus referring to? Uh, let the children be fed first. Was she... Was her child not a child? Was she and her child not included in the children? What children is Jesus speaking about? Do you have a clue? Would it be the children of Israel? That Jesus is saying to her, she's a Gentile. And the children of Israel should be fed first with what he has to offer, the care that he has come to give, the love he has come to, to provide, the miracles he can do, the teaching 
that he has to awaken them. That what Jesus had and, and the purpose he came was for the children of Israel. And she was not one. And that it wasn't fair to give the children's food to the dogs. Not exactly a compliment. In fact, it has often puzzled people, and that's what this professor objected to. But Jesus called this woman a dog. It, sometimes it's, it's interpreted as, well, maybe the word was little puppies. <laughs> that makes it easier. You're just a little puppy. <laughs> oh, that's kind of weaseling out of it. <laughs> no, it was clearly... She was classed with dogs. But she persisted. And she accepted being a dog as long as the dogs were able to eat the crumbs that dropped from the children's table. And Jesus saw her determination, her faith, and he provided the answer she wanted. That professor that wrote the Mean Jesus story said that Jesus really, up to this point, did not know that he was a savior for the whole world, but that this woman taught him that. This woman taught him that Gentiles could have faith also and were important also. And from that moment on, Jesus' vision expanded to the world. That didn't quite jive with my understanding of Jesus. <laughs> I didn't think he came with only a partial knowledge of who he was. He had said other things. I'm the light of the world. <laughs> before that, if you go and see other things he said before going on that little visit north, you'll see that her interpretation was very inadequate and misleading. And I felt sorry for all the people who were misled by that. Yeah, I puzzled about that, though, until I decided to see if one of the other accounts also reported this incident. Wasn't in Luke. Wasn't in John. Ah, it was in Matthew. Let's look at Matthew's telling of this story. Put the slide up there of Matthew 15, verse 21 through 28. Now listen and see what Matthew adds. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Ah, he named both places for both places were named in the Old Testament as symbols of Gentiles. She begged him to cast the demon. No, excuse me. I was jumping up the priest. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. 
the next slide says, And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. Here we see that there were the disciples present. Mark made no mention of them. Matthew said the disciples were present. By the way, Mark was not one of the twelve. Matthew was. Matthew could say, I was there. Mark was most likely reporting the story as he had heard it or remembered it from the Apostle Peter. For that is the origin of Mark's gospel written in Rome about 65 A.D. So the disciples say, send her away, she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him. Lord, help me. He answered, it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. One translator said, Your faith is terrific. <laughs> Let it be done for you as you wish. And Matthew ends the story with, Her daughter was healed instantly. Wow. So we get a little more picture here. The woman just didn't come to him once. She kept shouting after them. And Matthew says he did not answer her at all. She continued. Now let me go to the next slide here. This, this one. This is the one I want. Uh, there is a Greek word for the verb to answer. Apokrithene. Apokrithe. And it has different endings depending on how it's used. That Greek verb is used by Matthew four times in this story. When the woman keeps coming and shouting, Matthew first says, he did not answer her at all. When Jesus first spoke, it was after the disciples said, send her away. She keeps bothering us. She's shouting after us. Send her away. And then it says, Jesus answered. It does not say Jesus answered her or Jesus answered them. It leaves Jesus answering out into the open, as if he is looking away, not at her or at the disciples, as if he is saying something that they would recognize. I've come only for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
And that would resonate with the disciples. That's what they thought. That's what their people had said for years, generations, centuries. The Messiah was for them. God was coming for them. They were the chosen people. Gentiles should be shunned. The woman, though, is hearing Jesus' answer and kneels at his feet this time. And this time she calls him Lord. She had called him Son of David before, a messianic title. Here is a Gentile woman from outside of Israel, outside of Galilee, Judea, who knew that the Messiah was to be the Son of David. And she calls him that first when she kneels She's up close to him and says, Lord, help me. Jesus answers again, not to her, not to them. He just answers. It is not fair to take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs. The disciples hear this as the woman does. The woman persists and still persists. Finally, it says, Jesus answered her and says, your faith is terrific. I want to share with you that I think that Jesus was really saying something to his disciples. It was for their hearing. This little venture outside of Israel was for them. Yes, it was for that woman, for she knew about God. She knew about the son of David. She had heard, and she had even heard outside of Israel that this Jesus of Nazareth was that one. And so she came with a determination that is seldom matched. Even when it sounds like she's being given the answer no twice, she persisted. Jesus came for her, and he did heal her child. But he came for the disciples, too. This was a special venture. It was an introduction for them for where they would be sent for the rest of their lives. Remember, his go Matthew's gospel closes with the words, Go and make disciples of all nations, of all ethnes, of all ethnicities, go and make disciples of all ethnicities, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Surely I will be with you even to the end of the age. Over and over, Jesus said he was sending them. But not yet. He had work to do in Jerusalem. And they would witness his death and resurrection. And then he would send them. But now he was taking them for a first sample of what they would be doing the rest of their lives. And he was teaching them that what they had grown up to believe, that God only loved the children of Israel, was off track that God would only come to save the lost children of Israel, 
was only part of the story. That through the lost children of Israel, God would save the lost children of the whole world. But before those lost children of Israel could be valuable servants to God, they had to overcome these biases and prejudices, this misinformation that they had, misconceptions about God, misconceptions about the world. That woman happened to be the one before whom he did that, and she was part of his message to them, for they saw in her that Gentiles had the same needs they did, that the same desires for the help of God that they did, and that God did love them as much as he loved the 12 tribes of Israel. It's a marvelous story, you all. It teaches those three things. Go to the next slide. The first and main lesson from this story is what Jesus taught the disciples and us. Those who are saved by faith in Christ are always sent by him to the rest of the world. None of us are exempt. It's not just some who like to travel, <laughs> some who desire to see exotic places, <laughs> some who enjoy suffering a little bit. <laughs> it's all of us are sent. And those who are saved by faith in Christ are always sent by the rest of the world and their biases of self-centeredness must be overcome. We're all wired that way. No matter, matter whether we were raised in a Christian church in America, whether we're raised in some other religion around the world, everyone's biased, wired to just be fixed on their own survival or their own flourishing. The more they flourish, the more they want to flourish for themselves. We're all wired that way. But that's not the way God is wired. And God lets us know that we were created in his image. We are to love each other as he loved us. And we're to love everyone as he loved us. We're especially to love those who don't love us as he loved them. That's the, that's the transformation that Jesus was engaged in with those 12. It's a marvelous story. The second lesson from that, oh, oh here, here's, here's an addition to that. Just, just to remind you that Jesus said that we were to love our neighbor as we loved ourselves. You know, that's the second of the great commandments. And this one is, has a lot loaded into it. It does not say love your neighbor after you love yourself. It says as. That little two-letter word is the most important word in that phrase that Jesus gave us. We love our neighbor while <clears throat> we are loving ourselves. We are, loving our, we are to love our neighbors like we love ourselves. Uh, 
That's what's packed into that little word as. And that's what Jesus had led those 12 disciples up to Tyre and Sidon for that day. The second point of this story, I remember I said Jesus could multitask. The woman's need for healing her daughter was matched by the persistence of her faith. I've heard others uh, speak about this. I heard someone on uh, KSBJ this week talking about this very story. I thought, wow, that's great. We're going to talk about that this week. And he was talking about the persistence of the woman. How persistent are we are in our faith and our desire for God to help us? Do we just toss a prayer out occasionally or do we really plead? Do we keep caring for each other? Do we, are we persistent with our faith? She's a model for the rest of us, a wonderful model. And the third lesson is this. <clears throat> We've been given four counts of the gospel of Jesus for a reason. They are meant to work together. They're not meant to be just read separately. You're not going to hear that very many places except here. <laughs> People often preach on a story and only look at one account and never go to the other three accounts or four accounts or one other account. They do so at the loss of the whole picture. Nothing illustrates it better than this story of the Canaanite woman. Your understanding of God's word will be much greater if you pull it together. You don't have to make every part match, but you should see especially in the account of the Savior of the world, God has given us four, four records of that. Unlike Acts of the Apostles is only one account of that. We'd only have four or five or two. The story of uh, Exodus is only in Exodus. We don't have four accounts of Moses delivering the people from Egypt. We have four accounts of Jesus. And we should use all of them, bring them together, and the lights will come on, just as it did for this story of this Canaanite woman. We get the full story when we bring them together just as we need to do with the rest of God's word. And speaking of God's word, Jesus is the word of God made flesh. He is rich and deep in all that he wants to teach us and do for us and do through us. I hope you're fired up. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, Let's be fired up for God to pour in us and through us his great love, his great truth. The world needs saving. One other last thing. The world is in our neighborhood. You do not need to cross an ocean anymore. The world is mixed like never before. Katie is one of the most diverse counties or places, and Fort Bend is one of the most diverse counties in the United States. Don't worry about going to another country. 
Let's worry about how we can connect and communicate with people who do not know Christ right in our own neighborhood. Amen. Thank you.